Ozil. Marca Mesut Ozil. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. Good morning to you, James. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm well. Uh, had a good weekend. Uh, pretty uneventful. Uh, I assume your weekend was the same. Nothing weird or strange or startling occurred during the course of your <sighs> your weekend. That's mm, it would be I, fair to say, or or I I I well I, I wish I could say that, but anyone who follows me on Twitter will know that some horrendous events unfolded mm, this weekend. Mm. Things that honestly talking about now fills me with a shame and a burning sense of regret that I I cannot shake. Mm. I think you, uh, for for perhaps people who don't follow you on Twitter, maybe you should just, you know, come out with it. Let's get it out there. Let's put it out in the open. I mean, it is out there. That's the problem. It's mm. still out there. But, um, it forever. There forever. Such, such is the nature of the internet. Uh, basically, it's not tomorrow's chip paper. You can't eat chips out of the internet. That's the big problem. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was my... Uh, I'm getting married in September, mm-hmm. so September the second. Uh, whoever Arsenal the fixtures come out tomorrow, we can circle that game as a defeat. <laughs> early doors, um, but it was my. It was an early kind of stag or bachelor party, depending on where, on what you call it, where you live. Yeah, and as you will be aware, listeners, sometimes that involves an element of victimisation or, or ritual humiliation. You might say. I think so. Uh, but what they laid on for me. I could not possibly have anticipated. You can hear my voice almost cracking as I recall it, but that I had to wear an outfit that, I mean, there's no words really for what I had to put on to my skin. It was in contact with my skin. Um, it was a 1991 vintage Tottenham shirt. I mean... Not only did they do that, they then took a photograph with me with it and stole my phone and tweeted it. They would not let me get my phone back. They were just reading me replies from, (laughs) you know, friends, followers, people who held me in some, you know, decent esteem. One man said, at least um, when we set fire to you, it will stick to your skin. <laughs> no, people, people weren't happy about me wearing this shirt, and I—they were just reading out to me. Uh, they counted me every follower that I lost. I lost several followers, like about in the tens of followers. Wow! Just for the image alone, <laughs> people were like, "That's it. I'm through with this guy." Um, it was. It was absolutely. It was. It was diabolical. Well, it, I, yeah, you. I, I have. I have to agree, and uh, I should tell you that your brother sent me a DM. On Saturday afternoon. Really? Yeah. He said, any chance of a shout out for Gunner Blog on his stag do and attached a picture of you wearing that terrible piece of clothing. Uh, To which I replied, fucking hell, I'm not touching that with a 20 foot barge pole, which I wasn't. Wow. So I do still have friends out there. Yeah. I I knew it was going to come out, but I I wasn't going to play any part in in your humiliation in, in that way because... I have too much Thank respect you so for much. you. I'm, I'm curious as to what the two things you're holding in your hands are. 
What, uh, what are those? Balls. They are balls. <laughs> no, uh, they are. I was playing uh, a very competitive and very challenging, it transpires, game of dodgeball. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh. I'd never played dodgeball. Uh, turns out it uses entire muscle groups that have lain dormant in me for several years because <laughs> in the two days since, I've really been struggling. But mm. uh, No, look, I had a good time, but genuinely... Unfortunately, I was very drunk most of the day. I don't think I could have possibly coped with wearing that item of clothing yeah. sober. Well, that's fair. I think I just think it's fair to know that your brother was, you know, um, probably the architect of of this in in many ways, and and wanted me to to cause your reputation even further damage. You know, there are things that you can do on a stag weekend, I think, that are that are acceptable. Some levels of japery and, and what have you. You know, they could have made you wear a ballet dancer costume. like Sure, that's you know, what I was that, anticipating. That, that sort of a thing. Yeah. Or they could have insisted that everybody on the stag do has to talk like Frank Butcher from EastEnders. So it's like, Frank. And every time you yeah. pronounce a word with, with, a, with an R in it, it's a W, like, fui furty, something like that. I think that's all right. Or you could have been, you know, uh, stripped naked and tied to some train tracks uh, while a, a man, a sinister man went as the train came towards you. I think those things are acceptable, but I think it's I think it's gone too far to make a man wear that that shirt. I, I Beyond the pale. Beyond the pale. Yeah. However, I have to give a shout out, actually. I did have one sympathetic message from a guy on Twitter called Stephen Cross, who's at S underscore C-R-O-5-5. It's worth checking out because he just replied to me with a very forlorn little tweet saying, been there, mate. And he, <laughs> his full head, his full head has been painted blue and white with come on you spurs written on it and he's got the cockerel painted onto the back of his head what is his twitter handle again <laughs> s underscore cro55 and there's a photo of him and i mean you know when people say all oh, the sadness in their eyes i mean the sadness in this man's oh eyes my god is- i'm looking at it right here yeah oh they yeah. even face painted over his his beard and everything oh jesus that's a fate worse than death really i oh. mean that's that's next level. I got off lightly. Wow. They really yeah, did. They painted the cockerel on the back of his head as well. And he appears to be <laughs> he appears to be in work. <laughs> Not simply yeah. on a stag do, but in work. Oh, poor Stephen Cross. That is that is um Oh, that's grim. Anyway, oh God, yeah, yeah, that's bad. Mm. Um, maybe he lost a bet. I don't know. But uh, anyway, I, I'm trying to forget about it. You know, it's it's uh, it happened. We all made mistakes. My brother made the mistake, really, when he's getting married next year. Oh, yeah. And I'll have to come up with something extraordinary. Oh, I think so. I'll give you a hand if you want. Yeah, I think so. We should collude. Yeah, we should indeed. So anyway, look, uh, I'm glad you had a a good weekend. And uh, there may be some other good news. Uh, As people know who listen to the podcast quite regularly, uh, we we highlight your misfortune in relation to Arsenal. I got a tweet uh, last week from Dan Sanderson, who's at Dan Tai Wang. And he said he was going to save this till October, but uh, he he sent it through. He said, uh, on October the 26, 2015, you and James recorded an Arsecast Extra. The mood was quite jovial. You might remember specifically, as it was the weekend, Tim Sherwood was sacked. Chelsea lost at uh, at Upton Park. Jose Mourinho in the stands next to Danny Dyer. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. He says... 
Also this weekend, Andrew explained how he ate a pizza. It was good pizza and well worth the misfortune, he goes on to explain. He burnt his mouth on some molten cheese and felt James was responsible for this because he had failed to warn him, despite Andrew telling him about the pizza he was planning on eating beforehand. This failure to give Andrew ample warning resulted in the start of a grudge. Your grudge will pass in, I quote, in a year or two. Now, I'm going to play a clip. This is the start of that podcast from October uh, 2015. So here it is. Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arsecast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. Good morning. Good morning to you. Are you well? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad, to everyone's surprise. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm all right. How about you? I'm, I'm also all right. Um, I, I did have quite a tragic incident over the weekend, unfortunately. Go on. I ever so slightly burned the roof of my mouth with some pizza. Oh, no. I know. You did tell me you were having some pizza, and I, I, I thought to warn you, but yeah. I did not. Well, I, I hope you're happy with yourself, because it, um, it's, it's vaguely uncomfortable this morning. I feel responsible. Mm. I feel responsible. Uh, you'll, you'll know better next time. So there, right? That was the first part of it. Okay, okay. That was we the, sound so young. We do, don't okay. we? <laughs> yeah. That was the first part of it. And then this was the second part, which was at the start of the questions bit, uh, where I where I tell you that I'm, I'm holding this grudge. So here we go. Have some more laughing at the misfortune of others, because this question comes from at Guna Adam. And he says, which has been more enjoyable this season, Van Persie's career collapse or Mourinho's? That is a fantastic question. <laughs> um... What I would say is that, you know, you know, waste some days you, you, you feel like eating pizza. Yeah, and, sure. And pizza's delicious, even if it does sometimes burn the, the roof of your mouth very slightly. We'll forgive it that. Bring this up again. Yeah, forgive me as well for not yeah, warning you. Yeah, I know. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm holding a grudge here, but I, I'd say it'll pass in a year or two. Okay, um, great. So, yeah. Only so, 52 podcasts to go <laughs> until the grudge is over. So there so you go. That day you feel like pizza. Right. What 52 about- podcasts. Hmm. I think I wow. think well, I, well that's an underestimate that was if it was a year that was a year yeah it was 104 because it's clearly gone on for longer than that should I should I lift the grudge though this is what I'm I'm wondering about because it what, what happens if I lift the grudge and you stop hurting yourself and damaging yourself and all that kind of stuff but it coincides with a period of intense failure for Arsenal then I would be blamed for things getting worse than they are when is the grudge due to expire a year or two, and that was October the 26th, 2015. I feel, I feel like I, I should probably lift the grudge before you get married. Because what if the grudge, <laughs> what if you have children and the grudge is like, it, it, it becomes part of your DNA and your children are then afflicted with this. I don't know if I yeah. could handle that, you know. Like, like I have a child and it emerges and it's just got the face of Tim Sherwood and <laughs> there's nothing that can be done about it. And uh, flippers. And that's the grudge. And flippers, exactly. <laughs> uh, Lucifer born again. Um, I think you need to, well, I mean, you just told me you had my back with the whole Spurs shirt thing, but now I found out every misfortune I've experienced in the past two years is a consequence of a grudge over a pizza. But you didn't warn me. I told you I was having pizza and you didn't tell me to watch it in case the cheese was a bit too hot when I took the first bite. You should blow on your pizza before you bite it. Everyone knows that. Give it a tentative blow. <laughs> no, I fan listen, it. I yeah, fan it. I always carry a portable fan for, for if I fancy a pizza. Um 
I mean, the, the, the shame is, I'm sure the roof of your mouth's made a full recovery in the past two years. You've been fine. Yeah. You've been eating pizzas. You've been having no problems. Yeah. I've been, you know, falling downstairs, wearing Spurs shirts. You've had a, you you've, know. Been, you've been robbed at gunpoint. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of stuff going on. Okay, I, um, I take it back. I, I, I withdraw the grudge because I feel like it's slightly disproportionate to, to the experiences that you've had certainly in relation to the damage that I did to the roof of my mouth. You, it's, it's gone too far. So I hereby state that I withdraw the grudge 100% completely. No no carries on, no jinxies, no backsies, whatever. How about that? Right. So what if bad things keep happening to me now? What does that mean? You fucked somebody else. Somebody else has got it in for you. There are other grudges out there. Yeah. There's someone with, a, someone with a little James Voodoo doll who's sticking things in there. So I, know, I, I can tell you it's not me. It's not me. Yeah. You can rest if then, certainly uh, knowing it's not me. If there is a James Voodoo doll, I don't think they're putting little pins in it. I think they're putting it in a blender or something. And honestly, some <laughs> of the stuff has happened to me. But uh, okay, no grudges. And so obviously that might have a knock-on effect for Arsenal. If Arsenal start doing absolutely awfully... I'm going to, you're going to have to bring the grudge back, and that worries me. Mm, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to experience something painful myself that is in some way vaguely related to you. That's the thing, though. That's the difficult thing. Yeah. So maybe I have to construct yeah. it all. I'm going to have to take you for pizza without the fan, <laughs> sans fan, and just you know we'll go from there. Straight out of the oven, straight in. Just ah, yeah, okay. Well, at least we know how to fix it. That's the only thing. That's the only thing. We do know how to fix it. It's good. Thank you very much. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty uh, impressive that someone had the powers of recall to even know that had taken place. Do you know what? It always astounds me when people remember things that we do on the podcast or, or stuff that I write in the blog. And they go, do you remember when you talk about this on the podcast? Do you remember when you, you did that on the blog? And I'm like, no. I, fr- no. Like, I forget stuff almost immediately after it's happened. As soon as I write it or put it out in the podcast, I generally generally forget it but obviously people people don't so thank you Dan Sanderson well, yeah and that's what worries me about the photo of me in the Spurs shirt people don't forget they don't forget they never uh, forget right they are we are well, there are lots of elephant Arsenal fans out there just elephants in big big Arsenal kits imagine that mm. that'd be nice that would be good um, maybe you just paint the elephant it would be probably more cost efficient than than fashioning I think, a shirt yeah, and they'd struggle with the Puma kits wouldn't they I mean it would be a, a difficult fit <laughs> yeah it'd be elephant tits all over the place ah dear right what else is going on let's talk about stuff because there is a bit of stuff going on where do you want to start um should we start um, on the Serge Gnabry thing? Why not? Let's talk about that because he's gone to he's gone to Bayern, Bayern Munich. Munich. I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because I don't know if you remember, but when he was leaving Arsenal last summer, it looked absolutely nailed on. He was going to Bayern. That was certainly all the talk. And then suddenly, thing you know, things switched around the last minute. He ended up at Werder Bremen. But it's basically felt like this was a deal in the offing since that point, hasn't it? Mm. Some talk this morning, I saw somebody tweet that they're going to loan him to Hoffenheim for uh, for next season. So Yeah, um, I had heard that as well, potentially. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's a weird one. It is a weird one. It is a weird one. And I, I think what I found, well, strange but a little unsurprising about it is the manner in which it's been used as a sort of stick to beat Arsenal and Arsene Wenger with. But I, I don't see it the same myself. I think that Arsene Wenger always had a lot of faith in Gnabry and, and tried to make 
the best of him, but he had a lot of injury problems and, you know, we wanted to give him a new deal and he didn't want to sign it. I don't really know how much more we could have done. Um, yeah, I, 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 I see that point of view. I genuinely do see that point of view because people forget that he, he was injured for well over a year. Then he had the loan at West Brom, which didn't work. And I think you could probably question whether or not West Brom was the right club to send him to, uh, whether Tony Pulis was the right manager for a player like Gnabry. Um, I, I think we sure. might need to take some responsibility for that. But also, you're right, we did want to keep him. Arsene Wenger was very clear about how much he likes the player and that there was a deal there and he wouldn't sign it. So with 12 months left on his contract, we decided to sell him. Now, this is where I might have a bit of an issue with how we did it because I'm not sure why we sanctioned a deal um, for a player of, of real potential, somebody that Arsene Wenger spoke about in really high, uh, uh, highly term, highly terms? Highly rated? Very highly terms. Very highly, very terms. highly terms. Very yeah, He spoke, spoke very highly terms of him. But... Um, to to allow a deal whereby we could not then profit if he realised some of that potential, you know, because he had a great season at Bremen. He played really mm. well there. He broke into the German national team. He scored a hat-trick um, for, for, for the German national team as well, scored a lot of goals for Werder Bremen and looked to have kicked on as a player. So this clause that they allowed to be put into the contract where he could leave after a year for, I think, something like the same price that, he, uh, that Bremen paid for him, you know, I don't know why we we accepted that. I think we could have done better for ourselves uh, if a sale was going to occur in the future. And I think uh, there's something quite dodgy about the way that the Bayern have operated here. Uh, it was quite dodgy deal. I mean, why wouldn't Bremen? It feels it. Why wouldn't Bremen want? If I mean, did Bremen actually buy the player? That's the thing. I mean, if they, why didn't they sell him for twenty million? 25 million euros because that's maybe what it was worth after his uh, season for them you know so it's a it's a bit of a grotty one isn't it because Bremen okay they got the value of the player for that year but then he's gone they have to adapt uh, to life without him now and they haven't made any profit for the football club itself and certainly Arsenal haven't either yeah, well, it's. I mean, the way it's been worded in the in the German media is that Bayern activated a release clause in Gnabry's contract. So it's possible that either you know he insisted on that, or he insisted on that in the knowledge that Bayern might come in and trigger mm. it in a year's time. Wasn't there some talk that maybe there was a third party who like was controlled by Bayern who paid the money for Bremen and all that kind of stuff? So. Right, it sounds murky enough. Mm. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if he now went out on loan again. But, you know, Bayern do like to kind of accumulate the top young German talent. And they've they've got one here. I mean, I think the West Brom loan thing was interesting. But I, as I remember at the time, Arsene Wenger was actually relatively critical of Gnabry in his press conferences and sort of challenged him to earn his place under Tony Pulis. He and did, I think, yeah. I think, you know, other... Other players have gone on loan to kind of unfashionable clubs or clubs who play a different style of football. I mean, even this season, Callum Chambers went to Middlesbrough. Jack Wilshire was at Bolton. I know it was the the showboating Owen Coyle Bolton of, of yesteryear, but yeah, yeah. I I, I think that um, when when Gnabry was at West Brom, there were a couple of question marks over his attitude potentially, particularly from internally at West Brom. So. I don't know. I mean, I, I think he was obviously a very gifted player and I think that he was in sort of direct competition with Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who the club invested a lot of money in. So I think that was a bit of a problem at times. But I'd, I I don't feel too rueful 
that mm. he that he slipped by the uh, the, the wayside. Yeah. Um, but you know, when he wins the Ballon d'Or, I reserve the right <laughs> to change my mind about that. Yeah, I mean, certainly people have got quite quite uh, grumpy about this one, but uh, yeah, there was there was definitely uh, there was definitely something from Arsene Wenger. I'm just going to see if I can find it here. I mean, he talked about, uh, at the time last year, he said, uh, I want to keep Serge Gnabry and try to extend his contract. We stood by him for a long time. He went to West Brom and didn't get a game. We built his confidence when he came back. I allowed him to go to the Olympic Games without having played for us at all to get back to competition and to help Germany. He's been here a long time and it's important that he stays with us. So I think that was the manager feeling a little bit uh, aggrieved. Uh, And just talking about the West Brom loan, he said, Tony Pulis, forget about what Tony Pulis said, Arsene Wenger, uh, there was talk of a recall at the time, and Arsene Wenger said, he's on loan at West Brom, a year-long loan. We have a commitment. The player wanted to go there. So I suppose um, he Mm, would have had more than one option, wouldn't he? I'm guessing he would have had more than one option. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, as bad as you feel for us guys... You know, spare a thought for Stuttgart. Stuttgart, with the team who had Gnabry in his early football years, lost him for £100,000 to Arsenal. And now he's a German international playing in the same division at Bayern Munich. So they're probably the most annoyed about this situation. I probably, would say. probably. OK, yeah. well, look, there's not much we can do about it now. And we'll see uh, how he goes at Bayern Munich. Do you think in any way it might have an impact on the Alexis Sanchez interest from Bayern Munich? I don't really. I think if they want Alexis Sanchez, they want Alexis Sanchez. That's it. That's it. I mean, uh, I don't see any Arsenal fans saying, oh, I wish we had Gnabry back, then we'd be happy to lose Alexis. I don't think they're kind of equitable in that way. Mm. And also, if indeed he is going to go out on loan to Hoffenheim, I just can't see that it it affects it at all. And in fact, today, there have been another round of stories about Alexis and Bayern. So Mm. if they are interested, and it does seem to be the case, I, I can't see that this influences it whatsoever. Mm. Uh, Wojciech Chesney looks like he's going to go to Juventus. Now, you put up a very interesting video this morning uh, in your month of uh, doing a video every day. And Mm -hmm. I guess this might explain why the club are considering selling Wojciech Chesney to, uh, to Juventus. Your information is... My information is that Arsenal are uh, planning to make Emmy Martinez uh, the immediate understudy to Petacek for next season. That and it's one of those, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, that seems uh, like a curious move. But there is a certain there is a certain logic to it. And Arsene Wenger clearly really believes in Martinez. And sooner or later, he's got to give him either, more playing time, either on loan or at Arsenal. Uh, but... Personally, personally, I would still like to see Chesney come back and I am a little bit flabbergasted that we're going to allow him to join Juventus. It's such a ringing endorsement of his abilities that Juve want to take him mm. to potentially replace Buffon. And I'm like, wow, well, shouldn't, shouldn't we be having him to potentially replace Czech? Uh, considering, like, uh, we own him, he's ours yeah. at the moment. I know he's only got 12 months left on his contract and he has gone away and he has matured. I know people say he's a bit silly, he's a bit daft and he has been and he, he uh, he's made some mistakes but I don't think that uh, two years down the line after two years of playing in Serie A, playing for Roma, most clean sheets in, in Serie A last season, he's really improved as a player, he's matured as a person and a player and um, we have an issue with goalkeeping. I think the Martinez thing is is a bit mad. Like I could, like I'll 
absolutely and completely and utterly hold my hands up if I've got it wrong with Martinez. I, I like him. I think he's a good goalkeeper from what I've seen of him. But what I've seen of him and what you've seen of him and what everybody else seen uh, has seen of him is quite little because he really hasn't played a great deal of football. And he yeah. is 24, coming up on 25. When is, when is he going to be 25? 25 in September, I believe. Right. So he's 25 years of age and he's, what, less than 40 First team appearances. I know he's had some loan spells. Uh, he'd won at Wolves, which was going quite well until he got injured. I think he was at Rotherham and a couple of other places. But he hasn't played 50 games of football in his career at 25 years of age. And maybe it's because he's had so much in front of him at Arsenal. But that set some alarm bells ringing for me. Because I think if you're that good, you play more by the time you're you're 24, 25 years of age. And I would worry about his lack of experience uh, in that regard. I also worry as well a little bit about Arsene Wenger's um, eye for a goalkeeper. We know down the years it hasn't always been <laughs> hasn't always yeah. been great. And that's not to that's not to like be dismissive of Martinez, but I just think it's a it's a bold move if that's what we're going to do. If we're going to sell David Ospina, if we're going to sell Wojciech Szczesny to Juventus, and we're going to go into the season with Petr Cech, who's 35 now, and Emi Martinez as his backup, that's brave. Or foolish, some might say. Well, also, the other thing that's slightly curious about it is that you probably need a third goalkeeper anyway, don't you? I mean, like, yeah. you probably need a third goalkeeper in the squad. And I don't know, but uh, I'm not necessarily certain there's someone behind Martinez who we've got significant faith in. Matt I mean, Macy, you know maybe. Maybe, maybe, but I think that would be a very big call. I wonder if Arsenal's decision is in part influenced by the fact that he can't offer a second-choice goalkeeper Champions League football next season is that part of it maybe you know like that was kind of a, a carrot he could dangle in front of Ospina and potentially Chesney mm. maybe the Europa League not quite so glamorous uh, and not quite such a an incentive for someone who's going to be back up to Petr Cech yeah. I, I, I don't know I, I find it um, surprising and I would rather see Chesney in that role, really pushing Czech, you know, really pushing him all yeah, the way, yeah. making it a genuine contest for the number one shirt. Because if we go in with Czech and Martinez, there's a very, very clear hierarchy there. And that has worked for us in the past with the likes of Seaman and Lehman. But as a rule, in the modern game, you mm. want uh, options and, and competition between your players. Yeah, yeah, I think it's... Uh... I think it's very strange. The, the The only reason I could think of that we would let Chesney go back to uh, or sell Chesney at all is if we were going to make a signing. If we were going to bring in a goalkeeper and we decided, OK, this is this is the goalkeeper that we see for for our future. It's hard for me to think that we've we've earmarked Emmy Martinez as the goalkeeper for Arsenal's future. Um, without having seen him play or without having put enough faith in him to play him. You know, that's, well, that's the thing. I agree. I, I can only think, I had this thought this morning, maybe, maybe Arsenal are thinking that they'll keep Martinez on as their number two. Maybe they'll do something where they sign a player, a young goalkeeper who might be one for the future, who might be the, the true successor to Czech, but keep him where he is on a season-long loan. Something like that maybe could be an option. Mm. Uh, but definitely the word the club put, are putting out is that they intend for Martinez... To, to be Czech's understudy next year. Blimey. Blimey. I mean, I'm thinking of, you know, what's his, what's his, what's his face? Someone like the, the guy at Sunderland. Jordan um, Pickford. 
Jordan Pickford, for example, maybe you would do a deal for him, but not necessarily bring him into the squad yet. Think he might get, you know, be better off playing a year's football somewhere else. I don't know. I, I think Martinez is someone who needs that kind of regular football. Um, mm. Yeah, it strikes me. He stays me. at Arsenal. Yeah. What will he get? Europa League and Cup games? I mean, there's plenty of fixtures. There's plenty of fixtures, but it's definitely a gamble. But it also, uh, I mean, it's come from a very good source of story, but also as soon as you hear it, it has a ring of truth, doesn't it? It feels like something Arsene Wenger might do. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a head scratcher. And what if, she- what if Chesney going to Juve? Do you feel, if that happens, does that frustrate you a bit? I mean, I think it's such a... A clear sign of how well he's done in Serie A that Juventus, the best team in Italy, want to take him there as the long-term successor to Buffon. Yeah, absolutely. That's If there's any doubts over his quality, then I think they've been, A, dispelled by his performances and and B, by the fact that a club like Juventus want to sign him. I mean, to me, it's a, there's talk of a £14 million fee. That seems quite low as well. I do wonder, I mean, something I said in the blog today, that it's, I wonder if we've become a bit of a soft touch when it comes to selling players. We don't tend to move them on um, in a really beneficial way the way we used to. We used to get good fees well, what for What about players. David Ospina? Well, that was a talk Have about three million fees for him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. again, that's ridiculous. I'm not the biggest Ospina fan in the world, but he's worth a lot more than that as a as a uh, an experienced international goalkeeper uh, at the right age, 28 years of age, coming into the best uh, years of his career to let him go somewhere for three million pounds. I saw Ospina say that he nothing has been signed yet, or there's been no no definite thing, but he he wants regular football, so. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a strange situation, but there's a lot there's a lot to organise, isn't there? Uh, this this summer, and uh, you do wonder if it seems very quiet at the moment. But maybe there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Well, there simply must be. There must be negotiations happening, not just externally with transfer targets, but also internally. Still, so many players whose contracts require renewal. You know, I know we've heard stories about Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, but nothing official forthcoming on that. Mm-hmm. Alexis Sanchez, Mesut Özil. Uh, Maybe it's all just, maybe the dam's going to break and there's going to be a, a flood of news, you know. All the players are kind of dispersed at the moment on, on, on international duty and yeah. inevitably that slows things down. Yeah, true, true. And of course, uh, the transfer window doesn't officially open until July the 1st. So mm. um, we, we have signed a player since we last spoke, haven't we? Didn't that happen uh, last week? Yes, last week. Yeah, t- I think it was Tuesday morning that he was announced. Yeah, Kolasinac. Uh, so we have. Yeah, the, yeah. Look, I mean, it's nice to sign a player. Exciting. Mm. Uh, not that exciting, no squad- though. You know, fair no, no, not, <laughs> not, no, no squad number yet. I see they're waiting to uh, officially sell Kieran Gibbs before they can <laughs> hand him the number three shirt. Yeah, uh, but I mean, he looks like a real. Uh, physical player, doesn't he? I mean, he, he looks very strong, very mm. powerful. Uh, it's nice to see us signing players with that kind of stature. I think that's probably a, an important thing for this squad. Yeah, I think so too. And it's um, it's one of those things where I've always liked the Ivanovic, Kolarov style of of yeah. uh, fullback slash wingback. So he's certainly in that mould, isn't he? He's... Um, yeah, he's, he's uh, an interesting-looking player. We'll have to see how he goes. Um, but, yeah, good to get him and on board. Uh, yeah, and what's interesting about his signing as well is that presumably Arsenal were talking about this deal 
I would imagine before we actually switched to a back three, uh, but he is perfect for that system because he can play mm. quite a few roles within it. So if we are going to continue with that next season, and I hope we do, uh, he's ideal. And I saw Arsene Wenger saying he he, he views Nacho Monreal going forward maybe more as a, a central defender than a, a wing-back in that Yeah, system. that's very interesting. Very interesting. Anyway, pre-season will tell us a bit. Of course, there have been some departures as well. Yaya Sanogo. Oh, I know. I know. What what a what a time we had together, uh, Arsenal and Yaya. It's, I mean, a couple of people sort of asked me, you know, where does he... I think we talked about it last week. Someone asked us about him versus Pachu Young. I don't think mm. it's quite a bizarre, as bizarre a... A tale as that, but it certainly had its its ups and downs. Yeah, I mean, there was one one up, which was the FA Cup final, I guess. Um, yeah. It had it. Sorry, it's it's up and downs. Yeah, it's up and downs, and then look, pretty much everything after that has been underwhelming, I guess. You know, because where uh, do you think he'll end up? If you had to make a guess at what level of football his new team will be at, what would your guess be? haven't got a clue because I think it would depend on his injury problem. There was some weird uh, stuff last season about his injuries. Arsene Wenger oh. said he's he's got a mystery illness. There's nothing life-threatening but mystery. Something like that. It was like, whoa, not like... <laughs> um, but yeah. it would really depend. Uh, you have to feel that the, the injury problems uh, are going to hamper him. So I don't know. I think a move maybe back to France, um, whether it's Liga or below, I'm I'm not quite sure. I'm not sure. I mean, there can't be yeah. that many people banging on his door because he had a you know he had a loan at Charlton where he did okay. I think he scored a hat trick there. Um, but you know when he went to Ajax, he didn't really play at Ajax, and I don't know what his reputation will be like. Um, but maybe there'll be somebody who'll take a chance on him. We'll see. Ajax was a disaster. Actually, mm. I'd forgotten about that. We should have sent him to the West Brom. He probably would. Him and Gnabry should have swapped loans. I think that would have worked out a lot better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but there you go. Uh, yeah, I think somewhere in Liga, somewhere mid-table in Liga, you'd have to think. But who knows? Good luck. To, good luck to him. I hope he can stay injury-free. That's going to be really the key for him if he's going to have any sort of career yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and the other final thing before, for this part of the show is uh, Barcelona offering €25 million Euros for Hector Bellerin. <laughs> I mean... I mean, for fuck's sake... I enjoyed Hector Bellerin coming out and tweeting, by the way, about the speculation. I mm. thought uh, it's nice to see a player, you know, do that. I mean, it, you know, it, it doesn't happen too often. It, it, obviously, it's not definitive what he said, but he just came out and said, don't believe everything you read in the light of reports he'd agreed to deal with Barcelona. Mm. And that just dampens it immediately, doesn't it? I mean, I'm sure they're still talking him up in the Catalan press every day, but at least in England, that seems to have quietened it down. For yeah, while. look, I mean, the thing about it is, is I can't believe that people who have seen this thing happen time and time again, immediately turn on the player. When when the Catalan press say yeah. Bellerin has agreed terms at Barcelona, we know what the tactic is. We know what they're trying to do. You know, I know he gave that interview and he was, you know, a bit non-committal in many ways. But, you know, what's he, what's he supposed to say? He's never going to say, I'm never going to sign for Barcelona. Of course, it's flattering. Of course, it's an honor. All those kind of things. But part of their tactics is to use the press to unsettle uh, the player and to perhaps damage the relationship between the player and the fans. That if they sort of sneak it out there, and I'll tell you who plays a part in this as well. Is you know those, a lot of those Twitter accounts that just like post a little snippet of something 
Um, and Bellerin says, I'd never say never to Barcelona, blah, blah, blah. But when you look at the quote in the full context, outside of 140 of characters, there's a lot more to it, obviously. But what gets disseminated, what gets spread most are those little little snippets because they're the juicy morsels. They're the things that you make people go, ooh. But, you know, of course, it takes a bit more time to read a full article or a translation rather than just a tweet, you know. But it was a bit of a shame, I think, for people to, to jump on Bellerin's back to to start saying, oh, shit, anyway, fucking sell him. We've got Oxlade-Chamberlain, blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, fucking Jesus Christ. We've got one of the best young fullbacks in Europe on our books he went through a difficult time this season, but found some form again uh, towards the end of the campaign. Played a big part in us winning the FA Cup. He's a really good guy. He's a funny character. Everyone loves his Spockney accent, his weird clothes, his, maybe not his hair as much as they used to. But, you know, he's a personality. He's a character in a game that is completely and utterly almost devoid of, of people who are interesting in any way beyond the bland media soundbites. And he's an Arsenal player, and he's been here since he was 16 years of age, and he loves it. And he loves being an Arsenal player. And the minute stuff like this comes up, there's people fucking cunting him off all over the place. It's just people need to stop and just step back and think and give things like this a little bit more consideration before you go on a tirade against a, against a player who hasn't really done anything wrong. I agree entirely. I agree entirely. And the great thing for Arsenal is they've got the security of that six and a half year contract. Yeah. If Barcelona are really interested in Hector Bellerin, they need to get serious. 25 million euros would be an absolute joke, wouldn't it? Mm, sure would. It is a joke, 25 million. They can stick that right up their arses. Um, <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with some questions and more in part two right after this. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is the part of the show where we answer the questions you sent to us on Twitter, at Gunnerblog and at Arseblog, and also on the Arseblog Facebook page. I remembered this week, it's facebook.com forward slash the Arseblog. So, do you want to start or will I start? What do you think? Uh, I'll start, if that's all right. Yeah, it's fine. It's uh, fine. <laughs> well, in fact, I'll tell you we'll be starting. It's Vissel Sikali in Canada, who's at Vissel Sikali on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they ask... Will a World Cup year force more players to hand in transfer requests to get more playing time elsewhere? And then he's put brackets, Walcott, Giroud, etc. Ooh, good question. Certainly it's going to be a consideration for some of them. Theo Walcott is not going to go to the World Cup anyway. He just doesn't get picked, does he? <laughs> well, something well, yeah. something always happens around the time that the World Cup squad comes out and uh, he just ends up not being in the squad. He either gets dropped for the end of the season and doesn't play or what have you. So um, I, I don't know if Walcott would do that. Um, Giroud, maybe, that was interesting. People saying, uh, talking about Giroud's goal that he scored. Quite the goal, wasn't it? Oh, brilliant strike. Mm. Absolutely brilliant. He scored a hat-trick as well, didn't he, in the previous game yeah. in France, I believe. Phil Chambers was asking, what are the French national team providing Giroud with that we aren't? If he wasn't our player, wouldn't we be screaming for Arsene Wenger to sign him? <laughs> Interesting. but I, <laughs> I mean, maybe so. Yeah. Um, will, will, will it affect players handing in transfer requests? It might do, certainly... In January, you could see if players yeah. are not in the team, 
they would look for a move in the January transfer window, much like Matthew Debushi did. Do you remember when he wanted to leave on loan and he went to to Bordeaux, I think, because he prioritized the uh, European Championships in France in 2016? Yeah, last year, wasn't it? So mm-hmm. uh, he went to Bordeaux on loan, played a little bit for Bordeaux, then got injured towards the end of the season and didn't make the squad anyway. But I think that scenario is a bit more likely than players handing in transfer requests in the summer because I think players who are good enough to be playing for their national sides are probably also going to be in and around the first team anyway for the most part they're going to be playing fairly regularly it just depends what other players do or or how it affects them you know Giroud could play and score a load of goals for us and be nailed on for a a place in the France team or somebody like Mbappe could have a standout season wherever he's going to play next season and, and just be the clear choice, regardless of how much Giroud plays at, at Arsenal or, or anywhere else. So a lot, a lot depends on what other players do as well. So I think they'll wait and see uh, January uh, and then make a decision. I think in most cases you're right. It definitely does create a busier January transfer window when there isn't an international tournament kind of on the line. I think Giroud will probably feel comforted by the fact that he's still France's starting striker despite all the hype about Mbappe, despite not playing that regularly for Arsenal last season. Mm. Deschamps has kept faith in him. Uh, There has been talk, hasn't there, about Marseille, about West Ham, about the possibility of him leaving this summer. I'm really keen for him to stay. And I think... uh, yeah, I think he will. But when you do look at the Arsenal squad, there are a couple of players who you think, if they really want to go to the World Cup, they probably have to move. I mean, one who springs to mind, who's never hidden their international ambitions, is uh, Jack Wilshire, for yeah. example. Yeah. Uh, you do wonder if for someone like him, that might be a factor in his thinking. I think he might leave anyway. I think Wilshire will, will be yeah. sold anyway in this, uh, in this summer. So we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. OK, here is a question from boom, 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 uh, at Mess at 1079. Two choices. Sell Alexis to City now for £60 million or let him go there for free next summer. What do you pick? I mean, the problem is that it all depends on what happens to that £60 million, if I'm honest. Like, if... If you're never going to spend that money, you might as well keep Alexis an extra year. Um, but if give it, if you're going to reinvest it in the squad, I think <laughs> that's really hard. You know, it's not for me. I find that difficult. What do you think? I would keep him. Really? Yeah, keep him till the end of his contract. He'd be 29. He can go to Man City for for free if he wants. But I think keep him because I don't think that 60 million pounds buys you what Alexis could give you next season. I don't I don't have any faith in our ability to find a player for that kind of money who could do what Alexis does. So just mm. keep him. Yeah, I I do see that argument. I think yeah, I, I think you've won me round on that. I oh. mean, ultimately, maybe when he gets to 29-30, his body will inexplicably collapse. <laughs> and he'll, he'll, he won't be the force that he is right well, when, now. When, when you think about it, look at how much football he's played. So he comes to, uh, does a full season at Barcelona, 20, 
uh, 13, 14, goes to the World Cup, comes to Arsenal, plays a big, long season for us, goes to the uh, Copa America, uh, comes back to Arsenal next season, got injured, spent three months out because he was basically knackered, uh, but 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 still played, I think, around 40 games for Arsenal, plus all the internationals for Chile, then did the uh, Copa America again, the centenary Copa America uh, in the summer of 2016. He's just done another big, long season for us. Now he's going to go to the uh, to the Confederations Cup. He's playing there. There's a fucking ludicrous tournament that's on um, this summer. I know it's not as involved, but it's still a summer in which he hasn't really had a proper rest. He's going to come back. Let's say he stays at Arsenal and does another season, 2017, 2018, bang, off to the World Cup then uh, in 2018 in Russia, into another season again. Where's you know? I know we talk about him as a machine, but he can't be. At some point, it's got to catch up with him, right? At some point, at some point, and you know, maybe we can burn him out if we play him in all the Europa League games. We can burn him out before he gets to City. Mm. That'd be that'd be ideal. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think that replacing him is going to be so difficult that we almost want to squeeze every bit of football that we can out of him. And I think, given his personality, given his nature, given the way he seems to want to win every single game he plays, I think he would be relatively reliable still, even if his future was that much in doubt. You know. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of talk about Man City. Some journalists saying that the deal was done, it was going to be announced. I mean, I just cannot see a way that Arsenal would sanction that deal. I just can't see it. You know, City's- really, despite all Arsene Wenger, you know, calling City a, a good client, uh, I think it was back in October or something like that. You know, <laughs> he, he sold players to them before for big money and seems to be relatively open to that. Idea or has at least in okay, the past. but but look at look at who he sold to them. Look at who he sold to them. He sold Adi Bayor, who was uh, in that summer behaving like an absolute wanker. We know that between him and his agent. So he sold Adi Bayor. Nasri, another guy who played four or five good months for us and got his head turned by all the money and also behaved like a cunt. And we sold him. We sold Gail Clichy. We sold Bakary Sanya. We sold Colo Toure. You know, players who we probably got the best out of during their time at Arsenal. We had their best years. So when somebody came along and offered a lot of money for them, I know Sanya went there on a free, but um, Clichy, Toure, we got big money for those guys. We got big money for Adi Bayor. um, And we had no choice really but to sell him that summer. But Alexis Sanchez is like the... He's probably the most important player in the team, one of the most popular players in the team. There weren't too many people who would like uh, go out with pitchforks because you you sell Adi Bayor because people people didn't like him because of his personality and the way that he had behaved. Um, but Alexis Sanchez is like the totem. You you cannot sell that guy to Manchester City, and regardless of how you try and justify it in terms of whatever money you might get, you can't justify that sale to fans especially not after a season that has been so traumatic in many ways, where the relationships uh, between the fans and the board and the manager have been so fraught. To have repaired that somewhat with winning the FA Cup, you can't then go and sell him to another Premier League club because what you do, regardless of anything else, is you make yourself worse and you make them better. And that is not something that I think uh, fans will tolerate. I don't think it's uh, anything that the club should even consider for that very reason. For sporting reasons, you cannot 
say that you're serious if you do that. So I, I just don't see it happening, which is why maybe if he doesn't want to sign a new deal, fine, keep him. And at 29, he can go. There's nothing we can do. We can't be critical of Alexis Sanchez if he fulfills his contract with us. We can't. He had a contract. He saw the contract out. He's free to do as he pleases. If we can't satisfy his demands for uh, uh, for trophies or if we can't satisfy his financial demands, that's that's our fault, not his. So that's why I would just keep him. Do you think that if there was interest from abroad, let's say a Bayern Munich, that might change things for Arsenal if I- they thought we can make 60 million quid here? Uh, and not lose him to an English team. But what are you making? You're making 25 million quid because you've paid 35 for him. Sure. So, you know, I I think they would they would definitely be more open to the idea of selling him if it were abroad. But again, I you know, I do wonder if Bayern can afford the fee. They don't have a, a very high record fee, do they? Bayern Munich, I don't know what their record transfer is. I think it could have been 40 or 50 million. But, you know, given... Martinez, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Mm. I don't know. So, you know, maybe they can. Maybe they can afford the fee and maybe um, maybe that's something we should consider if if the situation is unworkable. If there's no other option than to sell Alexis, if it's made clear to Arsene Wenger and Ivan Gazidis when they sit down for negotiations that he does not want to stay, he does not want to be in London, he does not want to be in England, he wants to play somewhere else, blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe then we have to consider it. But if not, sit the fuck down and play your final season and, you know, play well. And I would have no worries about Alexis Sanchez in the final year of his contract. I don't think there would be any any uh, issue with him in terms of his commitment, in terms of his availability, in terms of his desire or his work rate or, or just his his passion for the game, his passion for playing every match. I don't think there would be any issues there. So that's why if it came right down to it, I've got no problem keeping him. Fuck the money. See, I, th- well, I, I would love to share your confidence that the club would take that path. My, my, my worry is that that is unprecedented at Arsenal, leaving a large amount of money on the table when there's the opportunity to sell a player. I, I agree. Twelve months from the expiry of the deal, it's happened so many times. Mm. But I just wonder if I guess the one thing that gives me belief that could be the case is simply that the circumstances are kind of equally unprecedented in terms of how much tension and conflict there has been around the club and mm. how much it would hurt them from a PR perspective to lose Alexis now. Mm. Yeah, well, we'll see. It's one of the big issues, obviously, that we have to sort out this summer and we've got to sort it out quickly. It's um, It can't be allowed drag on, so fingers crossed the agent meets with the club. I think he's meeting with the club fairly shortly. Um, Alexis says he's concentrating on the Confederations Cup, which, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> But I mean, the Confederations Cup, when is the Confederations Cup? Because the, the likelihood is this might not be resolved until then. It ends I think on the 2nd of July. Right. Yeah. Well, so, we'll see. good few weeks. Yeah. Uh, but I agree that the sooner we can get some clarity on that, I mean, the better. I mean, I feel like we spent the last few months basically hoping for clarity on various things. Yeah. Uh, and it never seems to come around, but we shall see. We shall see. All right. Your question. Uh, well... What about this? This is from Frats on Twitter, and they ask, if Real Madrid win the race for Mbappe, mm. do you think that Arsenal could finally pull off a deal for Karim Benzema? No. Do you think that ship has sailed? Mm-hmm. I don't think we'd be in for him at this point. Um, 
turns 30 in December. Yeah. No, I don't think that's somewhere we should be looking or would look. I don't think maybe a couple of years ago we would have been. Um, there was a lot of rumours about him, but not now. I don't I don't see that really. Although, no. Maybe. No. I would be surprised. I, I don't know, though. I mean, you know, as a sort of short-term signing for, you know, two or three, you know, months. years of a, a striker. Yeah, months. Uh, I don't know. I'll be honest. Even when we were linked with Benzema, was it last summer or the summer before? I was the summer about before us. and the summer before. Yeah. yeah. It's never one I've been particularly convinced by. I've never really seen him as the guy that Wenger would want. And I feel like we probably never have quite pushed the boat out for him like we might, like we seemingly are prepared to do for Mbappe. So, mm. uh, no, I don't think our pursuit of Mbappe is part of a, an elaborate long game to bring Benzema to the Emirates Stadium. No, I don't think so either. Um, he, he would strike you as a guy who's going to be uh, a casualty if Madrid did sign uh, Mbappe. But, uh, yeah... We'll 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 have to wait and see there, but uh, yeah, no no news on Mbappe, nothing happening. Arsene Wenger said to be pessimistic. You see, he gave an interview um, where he talked about he's not interested in the the Ballon d'Or. He's not interested in individual awards. He wants to win the Champions League, is what he said, and I think that oh dear. that pretty much closes the door uh, <laughs> on our <laughs> on our hopes of signing him, unless of course you know they can persuade him it would have to be the most persuady thing of all time like you know Thierry Henry going to his house and uh, talking to him about how great Arsenal is come on I'll bring you out on a drive let's go for a drive meet my friend Robert Perez here they could talk about how great Arsenal is and then maybe 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 they could convince him that this would be a good career move for him I don't think they could convince him that it's the the move of his life but certainly in terms of developing as a player and then making the step to one of the big 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 clubs in Europe you know a Barcelona or a Real Madrid then you know that that is the only slim chance we've got but I think uh I think there are other clubs interested as well. There are other English clubs interested who can offer what we can't, not necessarily in terms of money, but uh, Champions League football as well. So that that'd be a, That's that'd be a worry as well. I, Although I think would, there are, yeah, I mean, if we didn't on. sign him and he cost somebody 125 million and then was shite, that'd be hilarious. But I'm not sure it that's going to happen. <laughs> Uh, it would be. I, I don't feel like that's going to happen. I mean, I guess the only thing that can give you hope is this idea that Arsene Wenger, you know, can work on the player, can work on the player's family. Sometimes that's an influence. You know, maybe it will be that personal touch, that mm. sort of that, that degree of persuasion. I have to agree with you that I don't feel particularly confident about it. And if it, if it is going to be something that doesn't come off, it, it, as we always say about Arsenal transfers, you have to hope there's a plan B. No. Yeah, I know. We've been down that road before. <laughs> We've been down that road before. Well, Jamie Vardy might be available again this summer, I Ooh, think. Oh, uh, yeah. Get that Vardy so party that's... started. Yeah. Um, uh, it's your question. I okay. Believe. Here's a question from Sivachand Chandran. Uh, and he wants to yeah. know, why do we really send players out on loan? Why do we really do it? Um... I think it is different, isn't it, in some cases to others. For example, sometimes because they demand it. 
You know, mm. you think of Mathieu Debussy going to Bordeaux or Jack Wilshire even going to Bournemouth. It's because the players have insisted they want more regular football than Arsenal can afford them. I think there have been instances where it's been genuinely uh, developmental for them. I think Wilshire is a good example of that. Someone who Arsenal wanted to involve him more regularly but couldn't really do it. Knew he was going to bring him back. Knew he was going to be part of the first team squad in the future. And then I think a lot of the time it's just a case of throwing them out and seeing if they sink or swim. And if they succeed, it's almost a bonus. You know, I think the the, the guys who Arsene really rates, you know, the Reese Nelsons of this world, he talked about this week, uh, he's going to join up with the first team squad. He's not going to go out on loan because he wants him in and around the first team training regularly with them uh, and, you know, potentially available for selection too in the cup competition. So mm. I think in most cases... It's not a great sign. Um, Depends on the yeah. Think? The age of the player obviously is a consideration. I think when someone like uh, Wojciech Szczesny or Jack Wilshire is allowed leave on loan, I think it speaks to uh, maybe a mistrust or, or or the manager for various reasons um, deciding that the player is um, is expendable. Certainly yeah. in Wilshire's case, like uh, that, that seemed to be the case for me. You know, young players go out and it's a way for them to get regular first team football because there was very interesting. I don't know if you saw, um, I think Guardiola, Pep Guardiola was talking about it the other week about young players and how difficult it is in England for young players to get to the level, to get from, let's say, the youth setup at Manchester City or Arsenal into the first team that people think, okay, it's a fairly natural progression. But in reality, the step up is enormous. And what Guardiola was saying was that the the underage system, the underage football in uh, in England is just not competitive. They're not playing competitive football. Um, there's, yeah. you know, there's uh, B teams in Spain, as we know, they're playing in front of big crowds. There's pressure to perform. And you don't get that playing under 23 football, regardless of how good you are playing under 23 football. Ultimately, nobody gives a fuck about the under 23 league or the youth leagues. Really, nobody cares. So it becomes very difficult to properly assess a player. So you get somebody, for example, uh, you know, think of all the young players down the years who've looked great for us at youth level. But when they've had to make the step up to first team football, whether that's uh, a Premier League level or, or another level, they haven't been able to do it. Someone like Arturo Lupoli scored all the goals at youth level and just couldn't do it. So many goals. Uh, yeah. You know, players like uh, Chuba Akpom, Chuck Saniki, uh, J. J. Emmanuel, Emmanuel Thomas. Thomas, you know, who looked amazing at that level. But when they go and play first-team football against men, proper grown-up men with lots of experience and everything else, it becomes very difficult for them to perform. So I think you're right. In many ways, it's a sink-or-swim thing. In lots of ways, I think it's a, you've got to this level. We don't really think you're going to make it. Here's a loan move. You go play somewhere and hopefully out of that loan move, you can get a transfer to a club that's more suitable to your level. I think that's what it is for a lot of them. Yeah, and, and it doesn't mean they don't come back up. I mean, look at Benica Fobe, for example, <laughs> went out on loan to MK Dons, was a real success there. Uh, but not enough of a success to convince Arsenal that, you know, Arsenal had effectively made their mind up really about him. He had missed the boat. Yeah. Uh, and yet he's now back in the Premier League with Bournemouth. Yeah. Making a career for himself. Uh, Stephen Sidwell, there are plenty of others who did it in the past. Yeah, true. But, you know, I think you're when you look at a phobia, I remember people saying, why didn't we have him back? But, you know, how many goals has he scored? 
for Bournemouth. I know he's sure. playing for Bo- for Bournemouth, but um, you know maybe that's maybe that's his level. And fair play to him, he did well to leave, and he, he made a good career for himself. But he scored six goals last season for Bournemouth. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. I mean, I should clarify as well because I I realised I spoke about two Jack Wilshire loans uh, sort of within a sentence of each other. Mm. The, the the loan to Bolton is the one I meant of an example of a player who was kind of always in Arsene Wenger's plans. The loan to mm. Bournemouth was sort of the writing on the wall, uh, probably never coming back loan. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Chris, Christian Bielik is a young player who was on loan last season at Birmingham. It looks like he's going to go to Norwich this season. And I, I think he's a, a good example of someone who, you know, we can't afford to give him first team football. He is a, a good prospect and someone they think highly of. And really, his performances on loan will basically be quite a big determining factor in terms of what happens to him. If mm. he does extraordinarily well, he'll probably come back to Arsenal and be part of the squad. If not, maybe he'll you know make a sideways move, move you know to a another championship club and and try and work his way back up from there. All right, your question. My question. Uh, this is from James Kerr. Uh, and on Facebook and James asks how would you like to see Rob Holding develop next season straight back into the starting 11 come August or work his way back into the defence with rotational appearances don't want him to suffer from Iwobi slash Chambers syndrome yeah I mean I think people have got to manage their expectations of Rob Holding because he's been so impressive but you know we've been here before we've seen it before with other young centre halves they come through they look very impressive and then when that expectation is there, the pressure is there. Because, you know, Rob Holding, when he came into the side, okay, there is a certain amount of pressure, but he's he's got nothing to lose. He's a young guy from whom... I won't say very little is expected, but he hasn't he hasn't yet set standards for himself, which he has done uh, this season, certainly. I, I, I think if we stick with three at the back, he's going to get plenty of game time. I think he will. I think he should. He, he makes the, the central defensive uh, situation competitive, uh, I think he will be perhaps a bit more carefully managed than than other players because of the need to develop him properly. Um, you would hope someone like Steve Bold can really work with him as a as a central defender and advise him and encourage him because he is going to have a period in his career like we saw with Hector Bellerin, where things don't go quite as well as they have, and it's how you cope with that. Because what, what, what has happened in the past is a player has gone through that period and just never recovered. We've seen players just never come back out of that. Fans start to lose a bit of faith. The manager starts to lose a bit of faith. Maybe you get sent out on loan, what we were just talking about. Um, mm. So it, 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 he is such a promising talent. Uh, I don't really have too many worries about him at this point. Um, he seems uh, seems to have a good head on his shoulders, but I do think he will be a player that Arsene Wenger manages relatively carefully next season. Yeah, and also I think it's it's possible too because when you look at the number of centre-backs we have, I mean, we saw in the FA Cup final how quickly that can diminish, but at least on paper, so many options there. If you think Koscielny's likely to play every game, you know, Monreal, Mustafi, and then Mertesacker, Gabriel, Callum Chambers coming back. Uh, if anything, I think it might be difficult to keep all those players in the squad next season, you know. So uh, if, if Arsene does want to rotate holding and protect him a little bit more, that opportunity is definitely going to be there for him. Mm. OK. Uh, is it my question? Yeah, I think so. OK. Yeah. Matt Ray 
who's at Gunnar3183, says, are you surprised or concerned at the lack of real transfer activity so far? No, I'm not surprised. For a start, we've bought a player, which is more than Mm. many people have done. I know that was a deal done a while ago. Mm. But also, players are, are, as a rule, either on international duty or simply on holiday at the moment. Uh, It is a little bit slow. Some clubs have been pretty expedient about their business. I mean, Manchester City have bought two players, haven't they? Uh, Manchester United have bought that centre-half, Lindelof, Mm. and look close-ish to Morata. But the, the the true transfer market in earnest doesn't seem to have really got started yet. And I think if you look back uh, historically, that's about right for this time of year. I think it'll be in the next few weeks that it really wraps up. Are you worried at all? Not yet, no. Um, it's still very early in the summer, of course. Uh, my, my hope, I think, is one that many people will share, is that we do whatever we need to do quickly and efficiently and, and get ourselves properly ready for... For the start of the season, um, you know that was that was a bit of a problem last year. It's been a problem for a few years, actually. Um, sometimes it's a little bit out of your hands, isn't it? You know, yeah. Our our unreadiness for the start of last season was in part due to injury because Per Mertesacker picked up an injury in preseason. Gabrielle picked up an injury just before the season began. But I still think we had time to to manage those situations better, particularly the Mertesacker one, because we knew he was going to be out for a long time and it happened fairly early in pre-season. It was obvious we needed a defender uh, in in the transfer market. But, of course, it's complicated. But, no, I'm not that worried yet. I'm not that uh, surprised yet. I think, uh, I think things will start picking up relatively quickly. I think there's going to be quite a lot of business done uh, by Arsenal this transfer window maybe not as many coming in as going out I think that's going to be the really interesting thing for me is is who's going to go out and when they're going to go out because I think there's going to be some departures uh, and maybe you know someone like Jack Wilshire will want to get his situation sorted there might be one or two departures of that level that we might have to deal with as well so uh, no surprise yeah, I, I think my only concern really is kind of the shadow of Alexis and Ozil that slightly hangs over our summer activity because their futures I mean I feel like the talk about Mesut Ozil leaving has almost evaporated completely whether or not that's because something's an agreement's been found behind the scenes or just because there isn't that much interest in him Uh, but I feel like those are such big influences on what we need to do this summer that the the quicker that those can be sorted out obviously Mm. the better Okay another question from you? Uh, Yeah I've probably got one let's have a look um, I'll just do this excellent bit of talking while I look. Or do you want me uh, to do one? I've got another one here. I've got one ready to go if you want. Oh, no, I've got one, a really good one for All you. Right, okay. It's from Kevy Boy on Twitter, bigboy8894. Uh, and Kevy Boy Big asks, boy. Yeah. Would you sign Diego Costa? Yes, he's a bastard, but he'd become our bastard. Plus, he's a proven goal scorer. Look, you see that thing where he'd be our bastard? He's not our bastard. He'd be somebody else's bastard because he's been somebody else's bastard first. I don't think you can have a bastard if he's been a bastard for somebody else. Do you know what I mean? Right. So if you sign a guy who's already been a bastard for Chelsea, he's a Chelsea bastard. He can't become an Arsenal bastard. He could become a bastard at Arsenal, but he wouldn't be an Arsenal bastard. You see? Well, worst of all, he could be a Chelsea bastard at Arsenal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Would I sign him? I mean, he's a very good striker. 
I don't think it would ever happen, though. I don't think so. I think I'd like I'd like us to find somebody who is much less of a Chelsea bastard to sign as a as a striker. I mean, I can see why people would um, would go for it because he's got a good goal scoring record. But for Arsenal, for Arsene Wenger, I don't think he's a player that Arsene Wenger would want to sign. You know, he's been critical of him in the past, hasn't he, of his antics and his diving and his general scumbaggery. Um, and, and you can put those things aside, as I think we talked about it last week, didn't we? You know, you can put certain things aside if your player does it and it helps you win games. But if that player has been through the youth system or somebody you signed from a young age and, you know, he's associated with you, then it becomes much easier to do that. Whereas I think if if Costa signed for Arsenal, he started doing all his bullshit I'd be very I'd be much less tolerant than if it was a true Arsenal bastard because it would for me it would just be a Chelsea bastard at Arsenal I agree and I think as well if Chelsea are so willing to dispense with Costa I think that tells you uh, you know he's a bastard on the pitch but from what I hear he's a real bastard off the pitch too oh is he managing Costa is a difficult task and if Antonio Conte you know he's a prickly character himself but the fact that he's so keen to get shot of him, mm. I think, tells you that this is not necessarily a character that you want to yeah. introduce to somewhere like Arsenal. I think it would be, uh, I think it would be difficult. I think it would be a difficult mm. process. So, uh, I think he, yeah, I, I think it's a no for me. And also, I just can't stand him. He's one of the few players who. A little like when we were linked with Luis Suarez, you know, obviously there were other big issues with that. That, But I find, when I imagined it, I sort of thought, could I cheer for you? Mm. I don't know. Like, I would, it would make me feel a bit uncomfortable, Diego mm. Costa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I no. mean, he, he got dumped by text message by Chelsea, by Conte. Exactly. You know, I think that, says, <laughs> that probably says a lot. If they felt that that's how he deserved to get the news, then I, I think we... We should learn something from that. You know, there, there are well, underlying also, things going on. Absolutely. And I know there, there have been a lot of underlying things going on, but my, my brother, the Chelsea fan, has said to me for the last six months that basically since January, Costa hasn't really performed to any great level for mm. Chelsea. A couple of important goals, but he's not been anything like he was the force in the first half of the season. So uh, I don't think... Uh, it's it's not the one that, that would interest me at the moment of the mm. strikers who are out there. All right, MB Custom Design Matt, who's at MB underscore Custom Design. I think he does custom designs, and his name is Matt. Does he? Yeah. Right, okay. So if anyone's looking for a custom design, Matt is your guy because that's basically what he does. He says sure. it right there in the tin. Anyway, he wants to know why does everyone see a transfer out speculative story and react like the guy has already signed for the supposed club abuse, etc. Bellerin to Barcelona. Yet when it's a transfer in speculative story, there are cries of derision and abuse leveled at Wenger and the club as if it will never happen. For example, Mbappe, when both stories could be complete and utter made-up media box. Now, Matt makes a very good point, but I guess the answer to his question is simply that this is Arsenal and we, as fans, have been somewhat conditioned by experience. Is that fair? <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's human nature, isn't it? You want to believe, you, you, you doubt this amazing thing will happen, but the thing you don't want to happen, well, that's, that's inevitably going to happen. It's glass half full and empty or whatever. Absolutely, and I think past experience sort of bears that out to an extent with this club. Uh, but, you know, in the case of like Hector Bellerin, we probably owed Hector, as a fan base, more faith 
than what he got. I mean, I saw him getting a lot of stick and, you know, being called a Judas and a turncoat and all sorts for agreeing a deal with Barcelona that appears to be, at this stage, essentially fictional. Uh, so I do think, certainly, we need to be more careful before jumping on the back of uh, a bit of speculation. Mm, I agree. I agree. Step back and think about it. And, uh, you know, there's such a lot going on uh, at this time of the year with transfer stories, right? Because it's a, it's a... It's like a little universe. And yeah. there are so many vested interests, right? Clubs use the media. Agents use the media. Players use the media. The media use the interest that fans have in transfers, which we know is insatiable. People will go to a website like, what's the one that always makes up transfer stories? Fucking caught offside, one of those, right? Right. They just invent stuff. It's pure fiction. And everyone knows but still, people lap it up. And that's why there are countless um, websites like that. There are the fucking morons on Twitter who pretend like they know things. The ITKs, the ones who set up accounts, the one who calls them, you know, uh, Agent 4072. Yeah, right, you're an agent and you're fucking tweeting about stuff on Twitter. Fuck off. You know, these fucking stupid idiot dickheads who people know fine well, deep down, even if you're not the smartest person in the world, you must understand that these guys are just talking absolute bollocks uh, for their own enjoyment, to stir things up, or, you know, to perhaps satisfy some deep, dark chasm that exists within their life, uh, that this is somehow a validation of their existence if they get a lot of retweets and likes by making up some transfer stories. You know, it all is part of this great big... I was going to say soup, but soup is delicious. Um, Depends um, on the soup, though. Yeah, Depends well, what type of soup it of is. Of course, but like the, the, I think the only bad soup really is mushroom soup or possibly nettles. You know, some idiots will make soup out of nettles. Like, I don't ooh, know it what really they're doing, just, It people. really just tastes like a, you know, vegetable soup. Fuck off. It's nettles and they're stingy. Don't put them in soup. But, you know, soup, generally speaking, for me is a good thing. What it is is like a... Uh, a cauldron full of bubbling crap and pus and stuff. That's what the transfer world is like. And for the most part, it's all bollocks. And the media play a part, the fans play a part, consumers play a part. You know, it's all in there. Um, so I think people need to, when, when, they, when they come across transfer stories, is treat them with a healthy dose of skepticism, unless it comes from a source that is absolutely unimpeachable. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, you know, as as the questioner points out, we do that with inbound transfers. We just probably need to be a little bit more discerning mm. about outbound too. But I can I can empathise with Arsenal fans who have that kind of sense of impending doom about, mm. you know, players being linked with particularly Barcelona because we've just <laughs> been down that road so many times. In fact, it's, it's, it's not a question of going down that road. We've been round and round what appears to be some sort of circular circuit, you know, that just never ends with yeah. them. But they're up to no good, and we know that. We know how they conduct their business, so we should be a bit more wise to it. We should indeed. All right, have you got one more, or are we...? I've got one more. Tom okay. Stebbings on Facebook. Right. If every Arsenal fan in the world were to put a bet on Alexis signing for City... We could lump the winnings together and immediately sign him back. 
question <laughs> is, how much would we each have to put on to, to, to afford to make an irresistible bid and his new wages? Well, the thing about it is, is that if every Arsenal fan started betting on Alexis Sanchez going to Manchester City, wouldn't the odds tumble? Wouldn't they then stop taking bets? I'm not too au fait with how the that's gambling how works. works. I think that's how it works. You're right. You know? And also, what if we place those bets now at this stage and we lose? We're just out of pocket 100 million quid. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Collectively, though, n- none of us individually would be out for 100 million quid. You know, I, I don't I have, have that kind of money. But, you know, I have. we'd be happy that he hadn't gone to City, I guess. Mm. So that would be the trade-off. I remember on transfer deadline day when we were trying to sign Mikel Arteta... I placed a bet that Mikel Arteta... I really wanted him to come to Arsenal. Yeah. And I placed a bet that he would remain at Everton, I think for £10, uh, so that if he did fail to sign for Arsenal, I would have the consolation of £10. And as it was, I just felt like I had... He signed for Arsenal, I was very happy, and I just felt like I'd kind of contributed £10 to sort of the Mikel Arteta (laughs) Wishful Thinking Foundation fund. Do you know Mm. what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, but I, you know, I, I haven't done that since really because if I sort of speculated money on all the transfers that I hope would come off, I'd probably be a very poor man by now. Poor, poor indeed. But at least you don't have a grudge against you anymore. That's 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 I mean, that it, makes you rich in your heart. Andrew, I feel better already. <laughs> all right, we've got one final question. It comes from Ollie Tucker, who is at Ollie Tucker ninety three, uh, and I don't know if you read the blog yesterday, but I I, I was bitten during the night on Saturday night. I heard about night. this. Yes, I was bitten. I've got two big fucking bite marks on my leg. It's uh, it's uh, it's quite itchy now. Um, but I, I had speculated that it might be a scorpion, a radioactive scorpion, and I could then assume the powers of a scorpion like Spider-Man did when he got bitten by the radioactive spider and, and all of a sudden could walk up walls and all that kind of shit. Well aware. Um, but Ollie wants to know, if you were going to be bitten by a radioactive animal, which one would you choose? Because I'm, I'm going to inherit their powers. Well, I guess so. I mean, uh, or, you know, the first thing that occurred to me was a tiger, because tigers are awesome. However... A radioactive tiger. Yeah, like if you could then have the powers of a radioactive tiger to be able to, to run, to have cool stripes, uh, you know, to, to prowl through the jungle in you know, beautiful animals. But I wonder, c- could you survive a bite from a radioactive tiger? That's the problem I have. You know what I'm going to choose? And I'm going to use my powers for evil, not good. And I'm going to be stung by a radioactive wasp. You absolute cunt. (laughs) And I'm going to fly around. I'm not going to be a bee because they only get one shot of their sting. I'm going to have unlimited stings that I'm going to drop on my enemies. And I'm going to be as radioactive and evil as a wasp. Everyone who made you wear a Tottenham shirt on your stag weekend should be very, yeah, very afraid pay. right now. They will pay. Um, yeah, it's going to be a wasp for me. Have you, are you, are you sticking with Tiger or are you worried about the consequences? I am, I am worried about the consequences. I mean, I think uh, as well it would be good to be stung by something or bitten by something whose powers you can inherit. That You, you know, uh, a tiger can walk, a human can walk, a tiger can run, a human can run, a tiger can climb a tree, a human can climb a tree. But you'd want something, I think, that would make you fly, right? Yeah. Because that would be, that would be the dream. A falcon? (laughs) 
Oh, radioactive falcon. I could be a radioactive falcon, yeah. Or maybe, maybe I could be a, hmm, a hornet. They're bigger than wasps. Oh. Yeah. And we could um, basically we take could over the world. We could battle in the skies. <laughs> ah, or we could unite. Exactly. We That'll could be... unite in evil uh, to take over the world. Nobody would Why be not? able to stop us. I mean, they just take out a gigantic uh, can of spray, <laughs> of insect spray. Oh, oh. <laughs> we die. Would you look like a sort of giant man hornet? Like, like Harry the Hornet, the infamous Watford mascot. Is he an actual hornet? I think he is a hornet, hence Harry the, Harry the Hornet. Right. I mean, I, it's a man in a suit, I, I, you know. Oh, God. He's not actually a giant hornet. Yeah, but <laughs> but he's a very friendly-looking hornet, and hornets are not friendly, not in the slightest. I mean, I think if you go on Harry the Hornet, if you Google him now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go him. on a limb and say he does... He doesn't look like a hornet. No, he looks more he like, looks a, like a more like a dog or something. Yeah, teddy bear. He, yeah, he does not look like a hornet. Has he got a sting or something? He hasn't got a wings. He hasn't got a sting. He's got the head of like basically Pluto or something. Mm. Uh, yeah, he. I mean, that's a joke. Watford fans should be ashamed. They need to. There's somebody needs to do something about this. The Trade Descriptions Act is there for a reason. If you're going to say you're a hornet, be a hornet. Like Gunnosaurus, he's a fucking dinosaur. We can see that. There's no mistaking what Gunnosaurus is. I guess hornets are so scary. You know, the mascots have to uh, interact with kids and stuff. I just think they felt that actually being like a hornet was too much to bear. Hmm. Hmm. But, uh... Yeah. No, I think I'm going to go with Tiger. I th- I'd like the stripes more than anything else. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you'd look good with stripes. I, yeah, with I think so. I think so. They'd be quite fetching. Quite fetching. Slimming. They? they can be slimming <laughs> if they go in the right direction. <laughs> All right. Well, look, we're going to leave it there for uh, for this week. Thank you as ever for listening. Remember, do give us a review on iTunes, please. That would be great for us. Uh, five stars, if you wouldn't mind. That would be uh, fantastic. Uh, that's it. I think we might have an Arscast on Friday. If anything happens during the week, we'll certainly put something together. If not, James and I will be back uh, next Monday with another Arscast Extra. So thank you very much. We'll catch you then. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.